Hi there, I'm Michael Dunn, and this is the Oregon Rainmakers podcast from KLCC Studios. Today we're talking with Julie Collins, the new executive director for Eugene's own Cascades Raptor Center. The center is both an animal hospital as well as a destination for thousands of visitors each year. We're going to talk about the center and how it not only helps our birds of prey and educates people, but how it's an important part of Lane County's tourism industry. Welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, great. Thanks for coming in. You know, it was interesting. I was I was sort of looking at your at your bio, and and you have a very interesting sort of a, a history. So I'd love to start with how you transitioned from. It seems like you did a lot of different things in in healthcare, and you were a community outreach officer and, and public relations. How'd you get into birds of prey? <laughs> well, it is. It's very funny. I think. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely wasn't looking specifically to work with birds of prey. And I, after almost, I think, uh, over 17 years of working in the medical field, and I, I did wear a lot of different hats in the medical field also, because, you know, a lot of times with our careers, we, we grow into or evolve into other skill sets. And at the end of my medical career, I was working as a liaison for a hospital. So I was out in the community um, promoting the hospital, being a part of the chamber, um, sponsoring small, actually, nonprofits, and just being a voice for that hospital. And when my um, family and I decided to move home to Oregon, we had been living in Arizona for a over 15 years, it was giving me a chance to take a look at what I wanted to do and um, make some changes if I wanted to. And I had felt like it was time for me to move out of the medical field or at least see what else was available. And I had an 11-year-old son. We moved back here December 2015. And my son, Morgan, he said to me, you know what you should do, mom? And and imagine like you have this 11-year-old. I'm like, what? What should I do? And he he already loved the Raptor Center, and he's like, you should volunteer at the Raptor Center. And he had received that year um, from his aunt a membership. So he had his own little membership card, and and he just loves animals. He loves raptors. He also loves dinosaurs. I had to throw that in there. And so at that time, like he was just really trying to get me to um, try something that he loved. And at first, I kind of laughed about it. And, okay, kid, great. And then started thinking about, you know, I love being out in nature. I want to do something I've never done before. So I started volunteering as an animal care team member and I would go up on Tuesday mornings for about four hours and I learned how to clean aviaries, prep food. And for me, I started calling it my my four-hour therapy session each week. And it was in the winter. I, I think that I was just getting to experience so many different things and learn so many different um just connections with these animals and really appreciate the passion that the employees there and finding out that they had worked um, many of them for 10 plus years at the Raptor Center. And I started just growing a passion for it. Yeah. It's funny because, um, you know, sometimes a great pathway into nonprofit leadership is, of course, volunteering for that organization. And I'm sure many of us and, and many people listening know that, you know, the Raptor, Center, the Raptor Center has such a robust sort of volunteer program. It was such a neat pathway for you to be able to basically do so many of the jobs that ultimately you'd become responsible for when you became right. an ED. Right. <laughs> and, you know, funny to think that that was like where I am sitting today, that was not a goal or sure. or something that I had thought of when I had started there. But, um, and I'll just plug a little bit. Yeah, our volunteers, they have played such an 
intricate role in everything we do as a nonprofit. And, and for many years, they were putting in about 10 FTEs for us, so full-time equivalents. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how we were able to to do what we were doing with such a large, a small staff. And it's, I mean, they have, they're, I think, one of the biggest reasons where we, why we are where we are today. You know, and also in, in terms of, you know, how you came to be where, where you are, as, as I understand it, and looking at, at some of the, some of the information, you're like the second executive director in history for their Cascades Raptor right? Center. And yeah. certainly your founder, legendary kind of person in, in this town. So, when when you applied for this position, it must have been, I should back up, it can be daunting to replace the one person who's right. sort of connected with, with an organization, but it also, then again, gives you an opportunity to say, I learned so much and, and there's so much good that, that happened, but also, you know, there are new pathways or there are new, there are new ways of being or new ways of doing things that we can look at. Did you kind of feel that? Yes, I felt a bit of, um, well, I do. I mean, even still today, I feel a bit of both of those. You know, I was lucky enough to work um, directly under Louise for six years and she is who really built and helped me grow a lot of the skills that I have, but also um, helped me understand why it's so important to do this work. And then the idea of like, am I going to be able to fill these shoes? Am I, is this the right fit for me? Is it the right fit for the Raptor center? And then taking a moment to step back and look at myself and realize like, Oh, it definitely is. And actually um, I think one of the reasons that Louise Feels we should say Louise Schimmel, Lu- who is the yes, founder. Yes, yes, exactly. Louise Schimmel. Um, and I, I can happily break and tell you more about Louise too if you <laughs> want. But yeah, so I mean, just having Louise stand behind me in this, and and she is just an amazing um, teacher, and she's here to support me and to continue to support me. She's our emeritus now, yeah. and and we have a, a close relationship that I think is going to continue to keep her passion, vision. And and mission like it's it's a it's my focus and and it should be as an executive director but I think even um, for me a stronger connection to to making this all possible. Sure, sure. Um, so so when you took over when you were appointed hired as 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 executive director and again you know kind of kind of uh, looking back at someone who who'd been there for a long time and and then now you're there you know and. and <laughs> So much of change that's happening globally, nationally, locally has been sort of coming out of the pandemic and whatnot. Let's talk a little bit about how it's been to sort of take over a new role for a nonprofit while the world and our local community is still in some ways reeling from the way that work in general has been so interrupted over the past couple of years. Yeah, I... I feel that I have to, um, I have a lot of faith, uh, okay. faith as in I have so much faith in this staff that I've worked with. Um, we really, we're spending a lot of time right now focusing on the people at the center. Okay. We, you get to this point where, um, you have down the, the the key points in your organization, right? Like we we are solid in our um, rehabilitation care. We have mm-hmm. an amazing um, rehab staff. Our veterinarian, she's been doing veterinary medicine and wildlife veterinary medicine for over twenty years, along with veterinary medicine for thirty years. And the same thing, our bird curator, um, Kit Lacey. Kit's been with the organization for twenty years. So, like 
as a team, the three of us are really trying to focus on supporting our staff because this has been such a hard time for all of us, right? I mean, it was so unpredictable during COVID. Our entire economy, our um, everything has changed in so many ways. And so really finding out the needs and, and the in ways that we can specifically support our staff in whatever ways we can so that we can continue to grow and continue to be a strong organization. And we have lots of plans for the future, but sometimes we need to be patient, right? We need to just take the time to make sure that we are strong and that we are all healthy and then moving um, ourselves forward with those plans. They will all happen and hopefully they'll happen a little sooner than later. Indeed. Never know. Indeed. You know, it's funny, and it just kind of uh, bring us back to how you started and, and being in healthcare and, and community outreach and public relations. Were there things that you learned in that environment that have translated? Not, not, not specifics about healthcare, but just being in public relations and outreach. Obviously, you're very comfortable, I would imagine, uh, talking about an entity and not not just promoting it but 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 just talking about the important role it plays were there elements of what you learned in that environment that have served you well especially now as 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 the executive director of one of let's be honest one of one of a marquee uh uh venue in lane county yes definitely um working in the medical field Well, so for me, I'm a natural caregiver. That's something that, and I think for a lot of us that work in the medical field, um, I just to give people a little bit of background, I I was a phlebotomist. I also was a medical assistant. I was the ER technician for years. I taught phlebotomy and supervised uh, new employees that were coming in. So for me, relationship building and supporting my staff, even when I wasn't their main boss, that was just a part of of growing and continuing to, you know, when you want to work well together, building those relationships, having communication skills, that um, is something that just became very um, important. And I think even was growing inside of me, even when I wasn't aware of it, but then to be able to take those skills and to work with, you know, I think that sometimes people wonder, you know, this woman, well, you don't, you didn't work with animals or birds forever. How can you do this? I'm like, well, you know, people are taking care of these animals. People are the ones keeping this organization going. And for me, my skill set is that communication piece and that caring. And, and I think in a lot of ways, I still am uh, in worried about the health of, of everyone. And so I think that that is why I, I work really well in this role. I'm slightly gregarious. I, uh, I love being around humans and talking to people and really learning about them. And I think that's one of the big things is building those strong connections and relationships, which then naturally made me want to continue to do that for this organization when I started working with them. And, continue to build and meet new, you know, new donors, new partners and, and uh, new community members that want to be interested and hopefully love raptors or love wildlife and making connections with this natural world and understand why it's so important to do that. I mean, it plays a, a key role in almost everything we do if we want to be able to live here on earth and, um, and and live with the natural world, right? And sure. with wildlife. And- sure, absolutely, absolutely. Well, we'll be back in just a second. We're gonna take our first break. We're talking with Julie Collins. She is the new executive director for the Cascades Raptor Center. We'll be right back. 
I'm Barbara Dellenbach, host of KLCC's Oregon Grapevine. Georgina Haynes is a puppet maker in the movie industry. She details the differences between puppets and dolls. The difference with dolls is that they become the storytelling device for the individual, whereas puppets are a storytelling device for the masses. Georgina expounds on how she found her calling in art and the importance of the Northwest in her life on the newest Oregon Grapevine at klcc.org. And we're back talking with Julie Collins, the Cascade Raptor Center new executive director. It's interesting, and I've been to the Raptor Center many times. Um, what I think draws a lot of people in is you get an intimate connection with an animal that you normally would never have an intimate connection with. I mean, you go and see a bald eagle or a, a, a peregrine falcon. Those are things out in the wild that are in the sky, and they're very far away. But But... You know, that's one of the things I think from from someone who has been attracted to going there, that's it. That's a big part of it. But I want to talk about the center in terms of take us through sort of a day in the life of, of how you manage it. Take us through all of the sort of the moving parts that make the Raptor Center go. I can definitely do that. <laughs> <laughs> So I always tell people, we do two very different, very important things at the Raptor Center. So we have the Wildlife Hospital. That is where we rescue, rehabilitate, and hopefully ultimate goal of releasing injured animals back into the wild. And those animals, they are wild. So that's the difference between then the Nature Center, which we have resident birds that are primarily all raptors, and they are living the rest of their lives at the center for one reason or another. So for one reason or another, they're not going to ever be a wild animal again. But what they are doing is they're helping us, That we call them our feathered co-workers, they're helping us educate and give these experiences to you and so many other people that come visit. And that that's like what I want always people to understand that connection. But so it depends on what side of the team you're working with. But so for wildlife hospital um, team, they are coming in every morning and checking to see what patients need medications. Um, all patients, of course, need to be fed. Yep. So they're getting, um, they're doing food prep, um, cleaning things up, figuring out how the day is going to go. And then sometimes we're getting, actually every day, we're getting phone calls through our emergency hotline that is, um, could be something like, hi, I found an injured, um, well, I think it might be a hawk or maybe it's an owl. I'm not sure. And and so we're even just starting to help them identify and, okay, well, tell us what's the situation. Where's this animal? Where are you? Um, are you able to stay with this animal? And then we're trying to help them figure out, like, is this an animal that they're going to be able to um, contain carefully and bring up to the Raptor Center? Or do we need to have one of our staff or volunteer team members? We do have transport team members that can go out. They're trained on how to help these people rescue this animal and bring them up to the center. Sometimes it's an animal that we can't bring up to the center, but we are able to then help them find a different rehabilitation center or agency that can help them with whatever this injury is. Because that's the other thing. We want to make sure that we're answering and helping anyone with a wildlife um, emergency. So it doesn't have to be only a raptor. It just means that we might not take it into our own hospital. Sure, sure. 
And then, of course, the the actual what what probably most people are familiar with is going to go see the birds themselves. And so, so much of that is relies on a, 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 I imagine a fairly robust cadre of volunteers. And is docent the right word? Maybe it's not. Um, I know that that's used for in, in a lot of people ways. use that word. Okay. Um, so yeah. So for us, we have so when it comes to the nature center side, mm-hmm. um, you have well your administration team, mm-hmm. which is myself. We have um, someone that is in charge of the visitor center in the gift shop. We have our, um, our admin administrative, just all different administrative staff, but then we also have volunteers. So our volunteers are covering or filling in some of the gaps that maybe at this time we're unable, or we see that it's not time for us to have a paid employee. So we have greeters that are working in our visitor center and gift shop. And they're, they're the first face that people see when they come up to the, to the Raptor center. So you come up and you, um, you're guided up to purchase a ticket at the Raptor center. And from there, they are telling you, um, what your experience is going to be like what are you going to see today and then giving them a map and helping them on their way but then we have also there's a whole nother team of individuals that are uh, not i would say a little bit behind the scenes but it's our training team so we have people that are coming in and they're working diligently to take care of of all the resident care birds so the resident care birds the same thing they need to be fed some of them might need medications but they also are having one-on-one trainings all of um throughout the day because the training is what's helping the birds learn how to feel comfortable and safe and around humans and also give them the appropriate exercise that they need because again if you can imagine this animal that's made to live in the wild and fly in the wild is now living in an aviary um so you know what can we do to give them enriching lives and then that's those staff members are a lot of times um they're the ones doing the programming so we have education programs schools come up private groups come up adult groups come up we have different types of visits that way but then also any guest you can be a visitor coming into town and you can come in and um get a ticket and you can walk around all um well you know but we have a wooded hillside with um paths and about 40 aviaries that are along those paths that you can read about that bird their natural history their bird's story about why they are at the center and why they make such an important um, member of our education programming. And and in, both in terms of managing, but then also uh, uh, um, making sure that you have enough volunteers. I mean, basically anybody can become a volunteer. It just takes a desire to want to do it. And then is there like an education process? Maybe that was the wrong word. Not anybody can become, but I yeah, imagine yeah, yeah. you have a fairly robust uh, 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 intake where people are like, I really, I loved it. I, I, I went and yeah. vi- visited and I want to volunteer. What do I do? How do we I do, do it? We do. So you can go to our website and um, I think it's under about, but you can hit the volunteer Uh, button and then you will be led into like here's the different types of volunteers we during the pandemic again (laughs) we had to reduce and change away volunteers were utilized and some of that was very hard on us so um, it was a little different but so we have animal care team we have again our greeters which Mm -hmm. are the people working in the visitor center we have transport team we have a construction team of volunteers I think uh, we have a facility team. So you can look and read about the different opportunities. You also don't have to be a regular volunteer. We also have work parties that come up. And I know that you know a little bit about that yourself. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it seems like you've, for, for, for an organization like yours, it seems like you have a great balance of both staff and volunteers. And I would imagine that what's super nice about, 
your organization is it, it, like yourself who started as a volunteer. It's kind of almost like a calling. It's like, wow, to be, you know, in close proximity to these majestic animals is is one of the greatest sales pitches you could ever have for somebody wanting to volunteer is to go is to go and help out with something that, you know, I guess what I'm saying is as a volunteer, you almost feel like an insider because you're in the presence of these magnificent animals. It, very much so. I mean, myself, I felt like I was given this beautiful chance to, uh, I mean, I couldn't even believe when I started that. So you're saying you want me to go in with this bird and clean an <laughs> aviary? And, and again, they're teaching you the skills. They're teaching you how to, to be calm and quiet and move in certain ways so that the birds are comfortable with you also. And, and also letting you re- understand that, you know, these birds are, are used to, to being with you. And as long as, yeah, so it's just, it's amazing. And then you start realizing how smart these birds are mm. and how they all have a little bit different personalities. And just like all of us, there are certain birds that they might be a little bit more nervous around um, a hose or a loud group of people. And then there's other pe- other birds that are just so comfortable and, and maybe a little bit more outgoing like like myself. And, and so you find even your own connection in ways with these animals. And I can only imagine, yeah. Well, let's take our next break. We're talking with Julie Collins. She is the executive director for the Cascades Raptor Center. We'll be back in just a second. If you're thinking of donating your car, I cannot encourage you more to go ahead and do it. The dividends are great. You'll feel good about yourself that what you did was so easy. It'll help your community by supporting these wonderful stations. How can you beat that? Get all the details at our website, klcc.org. And we're back talking with Julie Collins, the executive director for the Cascades Raptor Center. Um, so a couple, couple of questions I want to I get to is, you know, you're, you're this animal hospital. You re- rehabilitate these majestic creatures. You also are a visitor center. People come and, 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 and see them. You're also in many ways kind of this, I'm not going to say a, 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 a you know, best kept secret because you're not a secret. You're one of the marquee destinations in Lane County. I, I think many people realize when people are, uh, you know, from out of town, uh, you know, one of the one of the first places that somebody who lives in town says, oh, we got to go here. You're one of them. So from a from a executive director, talk about, you know, the how you fit into that overall tourism ecosystem for Lane County and putting back on, you know, your your experience as a, as a, as a marketer and public relations person. You know, how do you best work with the other organizations like, you know, the, the, the tourism board or the chamber to make sure that you're you're marketing the organization as as, as good as you can? Yeah, so we. It is true. We're, we're considered a travel destination sure. here. And um, funny enough, like even in the during the World Champ- uh, Athletic Championships, we had so many uh, really fascinating individuals come and visit us. You know, there was a lot of gaps in the schedule where, well, what are we going to go do? And I think yeah. they were doing exactly what you said. I mean, yeah. they were Googling and this came up yeah. and they would come up and visit us. And I met people from all over the world. And that was just such a... Uh, interesting experience for us but also it's very 
um, such a positive thing for us to see that look at this, look what we're doing, and we're drawing people up to the center. And so for us, you know, making sure that we so travel link county um, cascades and coasts, we make sure that we uh, are have our map and and all the important information with them every year, so that everything's updated with that. We do make sure that we have our rack cards and hotels, um, the chamber. Uh, the main travel spots that uh, people will go to when they come into town, things like that. I do think nowadays when everything is going so much is virtual, right? The world is virtual that making sure that we are on the Google analytics and, and all of those areas that, you know, that we keep all that up to date. So we make sure to do that and lead everyone hopefully to our website so that they can uh, see what it's like there and, and plan their visit. Um, They are able to also purchase their tickets before they come up to the center. I think that again, in this day and age, that is something that you just have to have whether or not it is a big moneymaker for us. That's, you know, that's something that people really, they want to be able to do. And then being able to plan their visits ahead of time and know that we're open. We are open. Just plug this for a second. (laughs) Our nature center is open Tuesday through Sunday, um, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. in the fall and winter. And then we extend our hours in the spring and summer to 5 p.m. so that you can get up to the Raptor Center and check it out no matter what the weather's like. And the birds really like the rain and they like the cold weather. So I always tell people, don't forget about us in the winter. Come up and see us because the birds actually enjoy that usually a bit more than the really hot, hot days. So <laughs> like, like all of us Pacific Northwesterners, um, you're, uh, and, and, and I imagine there's a, there's a good amount of people listening who certainly have been to the center, but there's a lot of people who haven't. And one of the things that you notice when you go to the center is it's, it's built love, lovely area, uh, built into the hillside, but you know, you're, you're built into a hillside. It's hard to, um, have this expansive center because of the geographic location. And certainly, you know, like, like we talked about earlier, you don't have that many parking spaces and, right. and you're sort of hemmed in. So, you know, maybe talk a little bit about whether it's, it's, it's still just on the whiteboard or, or on a piece of paper, but, you know, obviously it seems to me that you would have the opportunity because of, I think on your website, you get 30,000 visitors a year expanding. Talk a little bit about the, 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 the hopes or the, or the the ability to expand. So we did, we do, we have um, big hopes and actually I will use the word plans to expand. Um, I I don't think it's a big secret in town, but we had purchased in um, 2017, the property adjoining the Cascades Raptor Center and we were very excited to go into a capital campaign in um, July of 2020, but then guess what? The yeah. pandemic hit. <laughs> the unpredictabilities of what the future for just everything, uh, let alone fundraising, construction costs, all of that. So we, we've what we did is we hit a pause button. Um, we supported our founder in retiring this last year, and we're taking some time to look at. Um, strengthening ourselves and especially sure. making sure that our uh, our funds are covering our operations before we jump into it, which eventually will be a capital campaign and sure. then will be an expansion. But so we actually have now all together um, right at eight acres. So the Nature Center itself and the um, rehab hospitals on 3.7 acres, that's the existing Raptor Center. And it just started out 
in a very small house and throughout the last 32 years we've we've continued to grow and add more aviaries and add more little buildings but the hard things that are happening is is that we have so many visitors that want to come up we have buses we have you know the big travel buses things like that that want to come up to the center but right now we have such a small little parking lot in the middle of our property that we can't always make that or accommodate that or we have to say well that's great but you have to park down at the base of the hill and everyone has to get their exercise and walk up. So we want to be more accessible. We want to have a large parking lot. So those are the plans that we have in process. And we're hoping that in the next um, year to two years that we'll get going again on a capital campaign and that that growth will happen. But first, I really want to make sure that we're, we're strong and able to do that while going into a big fundraising um, campaign to make that happen also. Sure. And even, you know, the stuff behind the scenes that the the general public maybe doesn't see like the the animal hospital and stuff. I imagine if you could expand. Oh, I should tell you. Go ahead. So in the other thing that happened right when the pandemic was hitting was that we had finished up um, remodeling our wildlife hospital. So Mm -hmm. we had gone through a fundraiser. um, We had fundraised and done the wildlife hospital and that was like the first little part that we were going to lead into our capital campaign we were also about to have a a big grand opening for that which we had to cancel because the world shut down and but we were able to at least um start caring for the influx of animals and thankfully we got that going because then the following year we had record-breaking amount of patients coming in and we had a hospital that was able to take in those patients and we had enough staff to care for them and then what we decided to do was to to wait on some of these other items so like for us um the new property will have a a large nature center on it we're hoping it'll have education classroom it'll have a large maintenance building where the construction will be able to be done away from the animals because if you can imagine um when everything is focused in the center in between a nature center and a wildlife hospital and you're trying to do construction and things like that it's very frightening for the animals. So we're having to pause or things are delayed or take a lot longer. So being able to have things on the other side of our property, along with a very big parking lot, like, so yeah, we got these great, um, great feature plans for me and our staff and our board. We want to be accessible to everyone. We want to make sure that if you can come up to the Raptor Center, that you are able to do it, whether or not you have a disability, whether or not you are, you don't have the funds to do that. We are going to make sure that you can have an experience at the Raptor Center. And some of that won't be able to happen until we're able to expand our property. But some of it we want to make happen now. And we are starting to, um, to work on that. Great, great. You know, as we as we get to the close here, I, kind of a maybe an esoteric question, but I think it's important in that um, obviously wildlife protection, habitat preservation is is so important, and in many ways, your featured uh, guests are a great way to uh, make that connection for people. So, I guess as we close, kind of. How does the Raptor Center fit in with that idea of showcasing these, again, I I use this this phrase a lot, majestic creatures, but in a way to educate people as to it's up to us to be able to preserve the habitat so that these creatures that you see here in the center who may never actually, because of injury, be able to return to the habitat. But for each one you see here, there are thousands out there who are in jeopardy because of habitat destruction. 
we we really hope that in a lot of ways we're doing it subtly by helping people come to the center visit and like fall in love with these animals right sure. they they are getting these experiences because what you were saying earlier like these animals that we normally wouldn't be able to see up and close because they're out out far out flying in the horizon like being able to see them close up and and then to understand that um so something that i i let people know quite often when i'm talking to them is that probably over 75% of the animals that we see in our wildlife hospital have had a conflict with the human world. It's not intentional. We're not meaning, you know, we might use a, or we, people use rodenticides, people, they, um, because they want to get rid of uh, like the rodent issue instead of maybe just having some more of the education that, um, so if you were able, for instance, to put that food away that, that let's, you have backyard chickens and you have a lot of rats getting into it. Well, okay. So let's help you find a way to take care of, of the, the, the food so that you aren't having all these rodents come in that are, um, a nuisance for you so that you're not leading or feeling this necessary need to, to use a rodenticide because then what is happening is, is that this, um, rat dies and then we have a raptor come down and, and pick up that piece of food and feed it to their babies. And they didn't know that now they accidentally fed their babies, but we also have, um, there's, I'll just give you a couple of things. Um, like, so the window, stri- like window strikes, sure. so that happens a lot. Collisions with vehicles, um, electrocuted by electrical lines. These aren't things that were purposely, we, we don't want to injure these animals, but I think making, especially people that live um, in our side, in Eugene, Oregon, where wildlife is so close, like we've encroached into their habitats you know, let's, let's at least be a little bit more mindful about it and make people aware of it. And then I'm hoping you go home and you start thinking about what you're doing in little ways and the little ways that you can adjust your way of living to, to work with the, with nature. And so I I hope for that. I also really hope that we will have um, our future generations that, you know, we all are realizing now that we're to this point where it's so critical that we either are going to make change or at least have to, like, I, I don't even know exactly how to say it, but but there's some big steps that are going to have to be taken, right? And, sure, And sure. maybe we're only igniting the f- the fire or excitement or or something to get them to wa- to want to do more. But I think that that is a key player in it because a lot of times individuals that aren't interested or don't didn't grow up around nature how else are they going to learn about it like what other ways you know we we have so many groups of children that maybe have never even walked in a forest maybe they've never been on a hiking trail and so just getting them up to the raptor center and to feel that and to experience that and to be in this you know in the woods and and on trails and and to see an animal that maybe they've never heard of i mean the idea that you can go up to the raptor center and see eagles hawks owls osprey turkey vultures and learn about their um why they play such an important role in our ecosystems and absolutely no you're absolutely right um thanks so much for coming in it's it's always great to talk about such a an important both a fun but also an important organization that's doing amazing work to obviously keep raptors alive but also keep that education component and and just respect and admiration for such wonderful animals my pleasure it has become a passion i never knew i would have and i am just so excited. You know, I'm starting my second month as executive director, but this is my sixth. um, I'm in my sixth year at being at the Raptor Center. And 
I just think the future is going to be very bright. So I'm very excited. Thank you. Well, congratulations on your uh, ascension to the executive director. So, so that was our conversation with, as I mentioned, the executive director for the Cascade Raptor Center, Julie Collins. Um, boy, the Raptor Center is both an important resource for our local wildlife, but as we talked about, a big driver of both tourism and education about wildlife in Lane County. This has been the Oregon Rainmakers Podcast on KLCC. I'm Michael Dunn, your host. Thanks for listening.